You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. This is a great example for us when we pray, when we approach the Lord in our prayers. We should approach the Lord with an expectant heart. We should approach the Lord expecting to receive something from Him. Remember what Oswald Chambers says when we read it, live in a life of expectancy. When you come to church, do you expect to receive from God? Do you expect to come in and bless others and be blessed? Or are you just doing your daily, monthly, weekly, whatever it is, duty? We need to come with an expectant heart, knowing that God has something for you. Come to the Lord with an expectant heart. In today's message from Pastor Dave, he teaches you to approach God with expectation. God has things for you that He would like for you to receive. Come boldly to Him and expect that He will act. You serve a God who loves you and sees your desires and needs. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 3 as he continues his message, Expect the Unexpected. God is saying, look at me. Look to me. And that's our job. We need to look at God. God wants us to have focus on Him, even in our daily routines, even in our daily lives. One time I was on a retreat in Ocean City. When I came home, and we lived in Ocean City at the time, we lived on the second floor in 4th Street. There was a family that lived downstairs, and the entire time I was out on the retreat, I kept on feeling like I had to say something to the guy who lived downstairs. I had to say something. I had to say that. It really was a burden on my heart. I came home, and I was kind of pacing, and I always paced, but this pace was a little bit more. And B said, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to go down and say something to the, to the man. You know, I can't even remember his name. And B said, well, then, if the Holy Spirit is telling you to get down there, then you better get down there. Nice encouragement, huh? So she said, so I said, okay. So I prayed about it. I didn't go right away. I prayed about it. I was, see, God is so perfect in His ways, so perfect in His ways. I'm thinking, what am I going to do? Go down there and knock on the door and say, I, I have a word of the Lord? I said, what, what, what? I said, I don't know what to do here. But Lord, you have to help me in this. So, okay. So it was springtime, so I walk down the stairs, open the door, and I walk out. And wouldn't you know, he's sitting on the step. He's sitting right there on the step. I went, you're, you're too much, Lord. You're just too much. You set this whole thing up. And he was disturbed. He was upset. And I walked over to him and said, how you doing? We talked for a while. I said, and we talked, and he told me what was bothering him and what was going on. And he, he kind of he just looked at me. I said, I said, I don't know why. I don't know if it's going to make any sense to you. I said, but I just have to tell you that Jesus loves you and that he's going to work this together for good. And I'm not sure how it's going to come out, but it's going to be okay because God said he loves you. He went, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And his countenance changed. And I got a chance to pray with him. It was miraculous. And I felt, I felt so alive that the Lord would use me. And so it was an incredible feeling. But God made a divine appointment for me. And he put it upon my heart to go talk to this guy. Now, we, we never conversed a lot. No, it was your standard neighbor. How you doing? How about those Phillies? You know, one of those standard things, you know. We didn't have a, a rapport. 
I had more of a rapport with his young daughter. He used to come up and hound our two boys. Well, she was there all the time, you know, but, but I didn't have really a rapport with him, although we did visit him in the hospital once. And I got to share God with him. Just in that, Jesus loves you. They're simple words. They weren't my words. They were God's words. They meant so much to him. They were just following your everyday routine. You're going to have divine appointments. The Lord is going to call you and say, hey, I want you to talk to this person right here. And then maybe somebody undesirable. Not that person. Yeah, I want you to talk to that person. A divine appointment. Peter and John fixed their eyes on this guy, and they were intently staring at him. They wanted the man to focus at him. Look to us, they said. Peter says, look to us. The Lord wants our focus. He wants our focus on him, he says. The writers of Hebrews again says, fix your eyes on Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Fix your eyes. Gaze intently. Never let him go. Never let the vision of him go out. But Peter and John, because of the Holy Spirit in their lives, they saw this man differently now. He wasn't the same guy that they had seen day after day before. There was something different about him. Because now they were looking at him through God's eyes. And that's the prayer we need to have. Can we look at each other through God's eyes instead of my finite, judgmental eyes? Can I look at you the way God sees you? Can I look to you the way God views you? Pray that prayer and it will change your life when you start viewing others as God sees them. And God will point out many, many, many things. When you start seeing people with those eyes, you better watch out because the love of Christ will just flow out of you. Jesus, in John seven thirty eight. Jesus proclaimed, he who believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Torrents will flow. The man sees these two coming. He sees them coming towards him and responds because he thinks he's going to get some alms. And he drops his hand. He's ready, boy. Put the money right there. I can't wait. In verse 5 we read, so he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. The man had no idea what was about to happen. And you know what? I don't even think Peter and John knew what really was going to happen. But they were willing to be used as they moved in upon this man and the Holy Spirit upon him. But it's important here to look. The man's intent was to receive. The man had an intent to receive. This is a great example for us when we pray, when we approach the Lord in our prayers. We should approach the Lord with an expectant heart. We should approach the Lord expecting to receive something from Him. Remember what Oswald Chambers says when we read it, live in a life of expectancy. When you come to church, do you expect to receive from God? Do you expect to come in and bless others and be blessed? Or are you just doing your daily, monthly, weekly, whatever it is, duty? We need to come with an expectant heart, knowing that God has something for you. Why don't we receive what God has? Why isn't God asking my prayers? James has a very, very important thing about this in James 4 verse 2. He says, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then when you ask, you ask amiss, that you may spend it on pleasures. When we ask, we must ask in faith, believing that God will answer us. How many of you, when you pray, really believe that God's going to answer your prayer? I mean, really believe it. God answers prayers in three ways, unless you you don't know it or not. He does say yes. He does say no. And then he always has that famous, wait, wait. We can't wait because I want it my way now. I want to drive through the drive through window of prayer and go, God, give it to me now, and I'm gone. Oh, wait. Lord, give me patience. Give it to me now. Wait. But he answers prayers. As we draw near to God in prayer, our hearts become overwhelmed with him because we're in his presence, and we come, I'm overwhelmed with him. And all of a sudden, it's not, Lord, I need this. Lord, I need that. It's, ah. nevertheless, not my will, but your will be. 
Because you know God's will is best for us. And our spirit in us wants God's will for our life. It wants God's perfect will, whatever that is, in our lives. When we come to church for service or study, for even fellowship, we should come with an intent to be blessed. We should expect and have an expectant heart that God would speak to us, either through the worship, through the Word, through the fellowship, through prayer time. God speaks to us. This lame man, lame since birth, wanted something from Peter. He expected a small pittance, just something. But his life was changed because he received everlasting life and healing through Jesus Christ. He got so much more than he asked for. Let's continue in verses 6 through 8. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I will give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. It's interesting that Peter only gave what he had. We cannot give what we don't have. That's why we need to pray and be filled with the Holy Spirit so we have something to give. If I'm drained out and if I don't have anything to give, if I don't have the Holy Spirit residing in me, how can I give it out? I can't. It's impossible. And it's not the church's business to make the world and make it better and make the condition of a person better. It's not necessarily the church's position. Well, why doesn't the church just give money? That's not what we do. Our job is to release here on earth the redemptive work of God through Christ. That's what our job is. Now, sure, we do give money sometimes, and we do that. kind of, But you know what? It's not our business. People around Christmas time are always calling the church for money. They're always asking us for money. And, you know, it's like, well, we really don't do that. Yes, we have met needs. Don't get me wrong. We do meet needs. And sometimes that need is in monetary form. I'm not saying that. But we just don't go around passing out money. I learned this in an extremely hard way. A very hard way. I used to do a, a Bible study at the rescue mission over in Atlantic City. Seven years I went there. Every Wednesday night I did a Bible study. What a wonderful time. Sitting around with the men there. We'd had a wonderful I got to know some of them. There's this one particular guy who I really got to know. He was there. He was a regular. And he was in their program. And you had to really be up close and personal with God to be in their program. And he was doing wonderfully in their program. And one time I got there and he was a mess. He was crying. He was a mess. He had a, had a letter in his hand from his daughter. And I sat there and I talked to him about it. And he explained to me that he couldn't get to see his daughter and his daughter needed him and blah, 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 blah. And he went on and he couldn't do it. He didn't have the money. All he needed was $40 to take the bus. All he needed was $40 to take the bus. I gave him the $40. Next week I came back and I started Bible study. I said, where's such and such? Oh, they threw him out of the program. Why? I don't know. Somebody gave him some money and went out and he got drunk. My heart was broken. My heart was broken. I gave him money. My heart was broken. But I learned a lesson the hard way. It was unfortunate that I fell for that. We don't just, we give what we have. But sometimes just giving to solve a problem is not enough. This man had several problems. He thought he needed money to make a living. But the bigger problem was he needed Jesus Christ for life everlasting. He needed Christ in his life. And when Christ came into his life, he got a double dose. He got life everlasting and he got healed. He got both. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. 
Peter and John are still overflowing with the Holy Spirit and they wanted to give it away. When the Holy Spirit is ruling and reigning in your life, you want to give it away. You want to give it out. You want all to have what you have because you know the excitement of having Christ in your life. You know what it feels like to be redeemed. You know what it feels like to be forgiven for the wretched life that you used to live. You want people to feel that and you want all to come into that knowledge. They realized what this man's needs were. He needed an encounter with Jesus Christ. He needed an encounter with the Christ, the Son of the living God. They knew money wasn't the answer. I mean, if money was the answer, this man wouldn't be lame in the first place. Money would have been able to cure his inability to walk. Apostles gave what they had. In the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. Can you imagine that? They had a relationship with Christ, and because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they now had power. They had power to do something for this man that they never had before. They never had this kind of power before, but they had the Holy Spirit. What this man needed was what we all need, Jesus Christ. The man expected money, but he got something completely unexpected. He expected something, but he got something unexpected. And believe me, what he got was far greater than what he asked for. It's interesting that Luke uses interesting medical terms to describe what happened here. Interesting terms here. And and these, these terms that Luke uses are in nowhere else found in the Bible. These medical terms, how the heel and the ankle bone were all misjointed, misplaced, and how they all came together in an instant. They all came together fast. The power that was given to John and Peter by the Holy Spirit, speaking in words of faith in the name of Jesus Christ, this man's bones were healed exactly where they needed to be, and he got up. Peter lifts him up, and the guy, his bones are strengthened. Actually, the Greek word is not, it's better than immediately, it's instantly instantly. Now, I don't know if, if you're like me. I'm an I'm a old war movie and I'm, I'm an old horror movie film. And I used to love the werewolf. He'd be walking around and seeing the moon and all of a sudden he'd stop and it would take him all this time, his hair and all this stuff would grow and he would get all gnarly and stuff like that. And he would say, wow, how come it takes so long? This was instant. Just boom. He picked him up and he had his legs there instantly. This is going to happen to every single one of us. This is going to happen to every single one of us because in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 52, I'll paraphrase, it says, in a twinkling of an eye, we will all be changed. How fast does your eye twinkle? In a twinkling of an eye. That's what happened to this man. At this moment, Peter was given a great, great gift of faith, the kind you find in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 9. It was a supernatural ability that God gave him in this particular situation. It wasn't something Peter did on a whim. It wasn't something as a promotional event. Hey, guys, all gather around. I'm going to make this guy walk now. Come on, come in closer. Come on in closer. Oh, yeah, by the way, if you want to walk too, dig into your pockets and you can walk too. It'll cost you a small couple pittance. This wasn't some promotional event. God gave Peter the supernatural ability to do this. He did something completely out of the ordinary. Peter asked the impossible of this man. He asked him to walk. If this man could have walked, surely he would have walked. Surely he would have gone to the temple. But you know what? I don't know about you, but sometimes the Lord has asked pretty impossible things from us. They seem incredibly impossible. But when he asks you to do the impossible, you can be sure that he always will give you the power to do what he has asked you to do. He never leaves you powerless. Ever. He will always give you the Holy Spirit to accomplish what his perfect will is for your life. So the man stands up. He walks and enters the temple with them, leaping and praising God. Can you imagine the joy this man felt going into the temple for the very first time, going to a place where he's always wanted to go? Now remember, the temple signified the presence of God. 
This man was actually going into the presence of God, he thought, for the first time. Little did he know that now God was within him. Because when he, when he leapt up in the name of Jesus and was filled with the Holy Spirit and he accepted Christ into his life, he was filled now. God was inside, but he was going to this temple. Can you imagine sitting there all those years hearing about the temple and never to be able to get getting in there? He heard many things. He didn't know what to expect. And he went into the temple. He thought he was separated from God. He thought because he couldn't get into the temple, he was separated from God. Just like our sins separate us from God. We couldn't get to God. But our God is a God of wonders. He's a God of the impossible. He said, okay, you can't get to me. I'll come to you. And so he came to us. He came to us and met us in our deepest need. In the most despair time we had, he was there. And his hand out. Come on. Come to me. Get rest. When I'm thinking about the joy he felt, I can imagine what it was like going for the first time. I'm reminded a long time ago, it seems, when my son needed glasses. We went to Sears to buy him a pair of glasses, and he was in grade school. We really didn't know how blind the kid was. He was having all kinds of trouble in grade school. It was because he couldn't see. He got these glasses, and I'll never forget this. In my entire days, I'll never forget this. When he sat there and they put these glasses on him, he went, wow, I felt so bad. The kid must have been blind. And as we're walking out of Sears, he stopped by and looked at every single price tag. Wow, wow. He was like, I felt so bad. It was horrible. This, but this man must have felt like, this man must have been going like, wow, this is the temple. I've never been here before. This is the temple. Wow. Where's the Holy of Holies? Where's the priest? Oh, I mean, you imagine. This must have been wonderful for this man. A lifelong accomplishment. This man had an encounter with Jesus, and he would never, ever, ever be the same. This man becomes a witness for Christ. As he's now in the temple, look what it says in verses 9 through 10. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. Look what the man does. As soon as he gets saved, as soon as he's healed, he does three very, very good things. First of all, he attaches himself to the apostles. You guys are going in. I'm going with you. He attaches himself to the apostles. He goes into the temple. He immediately starts to use what God gave him. He starts running. Not only running, he's leaping and jumping. Things that he never did before. Can you imagine as a kid watching all the kids play? Never been able to jump. Never been able to run. Here he is leaping and jumping. And finally, he's praising God. He's giving glory to God and giving thanks to God because he knew it wasn't anything that Peter and John did. He knew that it was God Almighty that healed him. He knew it was a gift of God. This amazement, this wonder that all the people had was going to be the catalyst because we're going to start studying another sermon by Peter. Peter gets a chance to have another sermon. This is the second one. And he's going to tell more people about Christ as to why this man was healed. This healing was a testimony of the power of God. It was a testimony for what the Lord can do for those who belong to Him and for those who gladly seek Him and for those who have a heart for Him. Listen to me, a heart for Christ. If you have a heart for God, He wants to use you. And this is Old Testament, folks. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to Him. That's what He's doing for this man, showing Himself strong this man. This is also an example of what real conversion looks like. When a person gives their life to Jesus, this radical changes in their life. And they're not always physical. They're not always outward at first. But there's an inside radical change in your life. The way we view things will be different. We want more of God's Word. We want more of fellowship. 
will want more of believers than being in their lives. So let me ask you, what do you expect from God? Or maybe you might feel it's too presumptuous of me to expect anything from God. Maybe you might feel that you're not worthy to accept anything from God. I say, expect the unexpected from my God. Expect Him to be what He has told us He would be in the Bible. Expect Him to give you salvation through Jesus Christ. And that's the first step. If you haven't got salvation through Jesus Christ, that's the step you need to take first. Expect salvation. And by faith, receive it. What you see here before you in these Scriptures is faith, plain and simple. It's a simple faith. Peter and John believed, and they gave belief to this man and told him to walk, and they performed this miracle in simple faith. You know, I used to struggle. Who had more faith, Peter or when he picked the guy up? Whose faith was more? It doesn't matter. God's faith was bigger than all of it. God's faith was the one that mattered. But even if the man was wrong in expecting money, he was still expecting something. He was expecting something. And that's how we need to approach God, expecting something. Yes, sometimes God does say no. Yes, He does. Sometimes God does not heal. We don't know why, but He's God, we are not. But I know there's a reason and a purpose for every single thing He does. And better yet, we should expect the right things from God. You know, we're often ready to settle for much less than what God wants to give us. Our expectations are very, very low, and that robs us. We fail to wait for the promise. We don't take the entire land like the Israelites. We're like the the two and a half tribes that stayed on the other side of the river and didn't come into the entire land and grasp it because Christ said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. He said, it's there for your taking. But we let strongholds come up and and, and conquer us and beat us down. We said last week that we don't know the entirety of God's plan for this church, but we want whatever He would want for this body of believers. Likewise, in our own personal lives, don't we want what God wants for us individually? Personally, it might be healing. Expect the unexpected. Expect what God, what you think is impossible, God says, got this covered. Expect the underground. He wants to make us whole. He wants to make us alive in Him. He wants to do mightily in our lives what we can't do for ourselves because He wants us to be witnesses for Him. He wants us to be witnesses of His love to others would come in. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Don't settle for less than God's best, for He is more than able. And when I said that, when I was writing my notes, all of a sudden this song came to my mind that we used to sing all long ago. It was by the Maranatha Singers, and it's called, He is able, He is able, more than able, to accomplish what concerns me today. He is able, more than able, to handle anything that comes my way. He is able, more than able, to do much more than I could ever dream. He is able, more than able, to make me what He wants me to be. What a cool song. God is able. He is so able and expected. But I'm going to leave you with this. There's one more thing. One more thing I want to say. It's just a scripture. Paul's prayer to the church of Ephesus. When Paul was praying for the church of Ephesus in Ephesians 3, verse 20, he said this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. 
We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, We'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit assurehoperadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today, and we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.